Thank you, Nikki. Um, our scripture is a familiar one tonight, so why don't you go ahead, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 1. Um, our New Testament reading is John chapter 1, the first 14 verses. beginning of uh, John's gospel account. He writes, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, to me, between that Isaiah passage and this passage, I am, I, I'm a bit preachy. And so if I get rambling, forgive me. Um, tonight's text is a really big one for us. Tonight's text is a really big one for those of us who would claim the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and so I've titled this sermon tonight, sort of in the theme of what we've been doing, this king brings life. And just to give you a reminder of where we've been, on Christ the King Sunday at the end of November, we talked about how we should be thankful for the righteousness of our king. And then we asked the question, can we serve this king? And then last week we talked about John the Baptist and what we must do then to serve this king. And then tonight we talk about the light that this king brings. And before we get into that, though, um, I was actually talking with Jonathan about this, our, our, our one of our Zoom helpers here. Um, I love how online you can sort of find a, a statistic or a poll for anything. And especially in Western countries, especially like the UK and America, we have polls for all sorts of things. Like this many, this percentage of Americans think this. This percentage of people in the United Kingdom think this or believe this. Um, and I find them really fascinating. And um, so just as a couple of things I came across today that I wanted to share with you as I was looking up these things. Um, did you know, and I actually asked Jonathan this, and I'll save, I won't tell you his answer. We have some other British people here. But only 17% of people in the United Kingdom believe in the Loch Ness Monster. Only 17% of people believe that Nessie is a real person or beast in, in, in Loch Ness. I thought that was amazing. I, I looked up one study about Americans and found that up to 30%, 3 in 10, Americans believe that Bigfoot is real or probably real. Which then shocked me to find out, there's a Canadian friend, Canadians, only 20% believe 
That's like where Bigfoot's from is Canada. I thought way more Canadians would believe in Bigfoot, right? Um, and, and what's funny is you can find souls for anything. Now, I happen to think mythical creatures are fun. Um, th well, not mythical, but, you know. Um, but what's amazing is also in Switzerland, outside of when you register and you have to put, like, Catholic or Protestant at your Gemeinde house, people here don't really talk about religion too much, right? It's, it's, it's very private. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. It really doesn't matter what you believe. But where I come from, that's just not the case. Americans love to know what religion you are and, and, and which box you fit in. And so we have all these studies and polls that have been done. And some of them are actually very, very fascinating. Um, so one of them I found, and I thought was really interesting, is they asked Americans, just general population, if they believe Jesus was God. And over half of people, like 55% of people, said Jesus was a teacher, maybe a prophet, but nothing else. Jesus was not God. Jesus was not the son of God. Jesus was not anything other than a good teacher, which makes sense. You know, I mean, people who aren't religious wouldn't think that. But then they asked people who identified themselves as Christians or evangelical Christians, which we know evangelicals to, to mean the good news, to be someone who would consider themselves born again, to use the language of Jesus. In a study of evangelicals, this was amazing to me, 65% of evangelicals believe that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God. Which at first read, you think, oh yeah, sure. But then, wait, hold on a second. That he was the first being made by God? No, 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 no. That's not what we Christians believe. In fact, what's amazing is that 30% of people who identified as evangelical Christians who were polled did not believe that Jesus was God. So you have 30% of people, 65% believing something um, that we would consider a heresy or not biblical, but then we have 30% of people saying that they just say, well, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I don't really believe Jesus was God. He was a good guy. He was a teacher. Worth listening to what he has to say. Not really sure he was God. believe that Jesus is God. And that's sort of a weird thing to say, right? Jesus is God and God is Jesus. And, and, and this statement is enough for many people outside of the church to think we're just a little bit crazy, right? I mean, if you take this statement and then start talking about how he was raised from the dead, most people think we're just outright, you know, absolutely lost our minds. But these are things we believe. And actually, if you remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, Andy, when we did the Apostles' Creed and we went through the whole Apostles' Creed, I remember this being the topic that was most discussed in the little classes we did and follow-up emails I get from people was about this topic, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. It's a hard thing for us to wrap our brains around. But amazingly, John, the Apostle John, decides to begin his gospel as, as his life continued and he began to write these things down to share with the world who Jesus was, this is what he decides to start his gospel with. This huge statement that says, listen, let me tell you what we would say in the church is a very high Christology. What we believe of Jesus is, is that he is God. He basically says, this is how I'm going to start the story of Jesus. And so we see in verse 1, in the beginning, this, of course, is drawing us back to Genesis. In the beginning 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we have to talk about this sentence before we can go on, because this is not how we talk. When we think of the Word, what do we think of? The Word of God. But the Word John is using here is the Greek word logos, which isn't just a word for a book or for writing things down, but it's a philosophical term in Greek. And this term in Greek showed up actually kind of a lot in, in Hellenistic or Greek philosophy. And what it sort of meant was it was sort of like a soul behind everything in the world. Logos was this idea that there was this underlying current. Honestly, it's not too different than Star Wars with the Force. Like there's this thing sort of driving all of humanity. And the Greeks believed that the word, the logos, was like this driving force. It was almost like the soul of the world, as all these people would say. That's how the Greeks often thought of it. In the Hebrew tradition, this Greek translation of this word, when people would think of this, it wasn't just words written down, but it was the very spoken word of God. In a way, how God interacted with people. And so it wasn't just words, but it was very much the presence of God in the Hebrew understanding. This sort of holy place. Something that was set apart. Something that was powerful. And so whether you're a Greek or whether you're a Hebrew background, to, for, for John to use this word is not just to say, in the beginning was the word. What he's saying is, in the beginning was something bigger. In the beginning was this idea, was this power, was this and that thing was God and the word was God and then in verse 2 he gives us a pronoun leading us to know that this was Jesus he was with God in the beginning can you imagine we as Christians you and I if we come in the name of Jesus Christ or if we look at these advent candles and say yes Come thou long expected Jesus. What we are saying with our belief is that we believe in the beginning, before anything was, Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And John starts his very gospel this way. I mean, this is bold. These are big, big words to start an account of Jesus to spread out across the ancient world and say, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus. Since the beginning of time, he was God, and he is God, and he still is. So, what John is basically saying is not just that there were words in the beginning or that whatever. What he's saying is there's this big idea, as you mentioned earlier, the word of God. However, whatever background you think about, there is something big about this Jesus. And it's not something that started. It's not something that was created. But it is something that has always been. And then in verse 14, as he finishes, which we'll talk about more in a minute, helps us round out this thought of what that actually means. So with that in mind, now that you have an idea of logos, let's continue with verse 2. He, now we see, as I said, the pronoun referring to Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. And we see that this is not just talking about a book, right, or the Holy Scriptures, but about Christ himself. The logos, the word of God, has been there since the beginning, and he is God. So right now, it's almost like John is saying in these first two verses, it's kind of crazy to think about, hey, if you want to believe in this good news, you need to be on board with these two things. 
You need to be on board with what I'm saying here if you want to believe in this gospel that I'm about to tell you about. Because John has this great story of Jesus. John articulates wonderful things about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he starts with something huge that many people think is small. And John says, no, no, no. He was God. He's been around people. See, this is the lens that we must look at the gospel through. That he wasn't an add-on. He wasn't something thought up by God after the fact. It wasn't like, you know, there was this, you know, after the flood, God thought, oh, uh, I, I should do something about this. Or, oh, maybe I need an escape plan now. I said I wouldn't flood the earth, but again, I need to think of a new plan. Okay, Jesus, that's a good idea. That's not what happened. This was since the beginning. And this is the lens with which we must look at the story of Jesus. And this is exactly what Advent teaches us. It, John 1, 1 is like this perfect thing that helps us get so excited about the coming of Jesus Christ. Because verse 3, then he goes on to tell us, all the creation was with him and made through him. Verse 4, in Jesus himself was life. And now we begin to see even more why this is such a big deal. It wasn't just that Jesus was there at the beginning. It wasn't just that Jesus was with God at the beginning, but everything was made through him and with him. He wasn't just sitting back being like, oh, God, that's a good idea. No, no, make the elephant bigger. You know, he was saying, no, let's do it this way. Let's build, let's make, let's create together. Jesus is not just a passive bystander in this earth. Jesus was not just along for the ride up until Christmas and then was like, oh, time to do something. Let's show up now. Jesus was actively participating with God in the creation and in life. And in verse 5, in case we've forgotten, the light wins. The darkness never wins. And we know this analogy. I talk about this all the time. But we need to remember this. I actually, you know, this is a, a very simple thing, but I'm going to make it anyways. This is a light. Um, could you guys turn down the lights a little bit? I like this light for a lot of reasons. This is a very small flashlight that I can jog with. This is a functional flashlight. This actually is magnetic, so you can stick it on stuff. Very cool. The coolest thing about this light is how bright it is. It is crazy bright. And I don't want to really shine it directly at anyone's eye. But if you use this in the forest in the dark, it lights up everything. And in fact, it's almost too bright. I'm catching myself now. I probably got some of you guys in the balcony. You can focus it way down. But with this light, with this light, there is no darkness. I mean, I use this in a small room, and it lights up. I'm telling you, this thing, it lights up. Close your eyes if you want to see it. It is bright, right? And honestly, when I was reading this, this is what I thought about. Like, I can't imagine. You can turn the lights back off. I can't imagine, I mean, if you've ever looked in accidentally to one of these LED flashlights, it's just like, I can't imagine any darkness standing up there. Like, oh my gosh, it's so bright. Think of that. Just really simply think about that analogy again for a second. There's darkness, and with Jesus, it is made light. So not only is this Jesus not only did this Jesus have an intricate part in creating you and me and all the things we love about this earth, but this Jesus brings light. 
so that all of the darkness that would bring us down, that would hurt us, that would cause us to worry and to have fear, wouldn't matter because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not overcome. This is why we have the candles, right? Candles are a lot prettier if you had them had them hanging decently. But this is why we have the candles. This is why we do this light stuff in the winter and the darkness. And we're going to come back to this in a second, but we want to get through the rest of this text. And then in verses 6 to 8, we're not going to spend too much time on John the Baptist because we talked about him last week. But John reminds us that there was also someone who came and gave testimony about this. There was someone who came to earth first and gave great testimony of this person. That's this John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not the light, right? But he was a witness, which we talked about last week, that you and I also are witnesses to this guy. And then verse 9 he returns back to Jesus being the true light. And John writes in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. John is pointing out here that Jesus is the result of revelation for all people. What I mean by that is this, is we sometimes think, okay, Jesus came for us, for you and for me, for Christians. That's why we're together celebrating. No, Jesus came for everyone. For God so loved the world. You know, it's kind of a weird thought to think about, but this is actually what John is kind of saying here, is that he is pointing out that Jesus is the result of God's revelation to all mankind, right? This means that Jesus came for the people who disagree with us. Jesus came for the people that maybe have a different religion, maybe have a different worldview, maybe have a different interest. Much like the Apostle Paul did in Acts when he was speaking with the Greeks, he said, oh, you have an unnamed God. I know the name of that unnamed God. Let me tell you about him, right? That Jesus came for all. This light was for everyone. Verse 10 and 11, but they didn't see that. Or they saw it and they said, ooh, that's too bright. And they put that away. And they rejected him. But verse 12, those who did see this light, those who accepted this light, what happened? They received the inheritance of the children of God. And so, verse 14, the word became flesh made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth you know church when we talk about advent there's so much we can talk about there's so much we can talk about the coming of jesus and what it did for us and what it means for the world and and, and all of that stuff but here in this passage i think john says four amazing things and I'm just going to lay them out. You can write them down if you want. If you want them afterwards, you can write them down now. They're not complicated, but they're all right here that help us understand Advent. Four things John says in this little passage we just read. One was that, and this is an easy one, Jesus was fully God. We already talked about this just a little bit. Jesus was fully God. The second thing he points out here is that there has been testimony to this. John the Baptist brought testimony of this light. So it's not just that we have to believe this without any evidence or proof that there is testimony, not just from John the Baptist, but from everyone who has come before us. There is testimony about this light. We have proof. We're not believing this empty without evidence. The third thing he says is that this was, and this is really fascinating, that the incarnation, what we believe the word becoming flesh, 
into everyone. I mean, this is phenomenal, right? That there is no more Jew or Gentile or slave or free, but that we are all made free by the coming of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing John says is that there must be a reception of everyone. See, for us to understand Advent, we have to understand all of these things. Right? So let's just go through these one by one. The first thing was, and we've already talked about this, but I'm going to say it over and over, Jesus was fully God, period. Okay? Jesus wasn't half God. Jesus wasn't born of God and the Son of God and lesser. Jesus wasn't like 50%, 50%. We believe Jesus was God. If you want to talk through that, let me know. Actually, if you want to talk through that, let Andy know. <laughs> right? But this is what we believe. And this is what John is saying at the very beginning of his gospel. Hey, we believe this about Jesus. Right? And then the second thing John mentions is that this is not just me saying this. There was a guy who came named John the Baptist who gave testimony to us, who preached these things. And there are people, now imagine this in the ancient world. You could be reading this and very well say, oh yeah, I've heard about this. This happened not so long ago. I can find people who were there. You could go and find people in, in, in Israel or in Jerusalem or in, in, in Nazareth up north. And you could go read John's gospel and then potentially go find people who say, oh yeah, 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was, I was baptized. I remember this. I can give testimony to this light, right? And so he's saying, first, Jesus was God. And then he's saying, it's not just me saying this, but there have been people who have been saved. There are people who give testimony to this truth. We talked about this more last week, so I'm not going to mention John the Baptist much more. I want us to focus on the last two things here. And then John mentions the incarnation, that Jesus, the word became flesh and came for all people. For God so loved, this is like the first Bible verse we memorize. John 3, 16, for God so loved Christians? No. For God so loved people like us? No. For God so loved people of our socioeconomic status? No. For God so, no. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Not one nation for one people but for the whole world and yes jesus did come to israel but for what purpose that it would go from there to the world and when we talk about the incarnation the very god becoming flesh like jesus it's really important and we see this in verse 12 and 13 well 11 and 12 and 13 he came to that which was his own remember creation was in him and through him so he came to this creation that was his by all accounts this was his possession he could have done whatever he wanted remember when he got arrested remember when jesus got arrested he said peter put the knife away if i wanted to call down a whole legion of angels i could but i'm not gonna he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him Yet to all who did receive him, to those who looked and said, yes, this is the very presence of God here dwelling among us. Those who believed in his name were given the right to become children of God. And this is great, too. It's not because you decided something. But because God said, I'm going to make you part of my family. A simple way to think about this. God came to us so that we can go home. Because before this, there was a separation. We know this, sin and everything. 
so we need to understand what John is saying here is that when Jesus came to earth, it was for a very specific person, purpose, excuse me, and that was to reunite us to God the Father. And so then the last thing we need to understand about this text is that there must be a reception. For you and for me, and this is what I want you to hear more than anything tonight, is that we must receive this gift, that we must receive this life. And what does that reception look like? Inviting, I mean, honestly, inviting Jesus to light up for us, as cheesy as that sounds, right? Inviting Jesus to bring life. Because this word, and I've talked about this in here before, what it says here, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's the same verbiage used for like setting up a tent in your camp. He's not just saying, I'm here. He's saying, no, 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 I'm going to live with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring light to your darkest moments. And we're going to take this super bright light of grace and truth, and we're going to shine light on it. Light on it. Through the grace and the truth of God. This is why Christ came. This is why we light candles and celebrate Advent. Because Christ brought light to their darkness. I mean, I don't need to go too deep into this because we all have some. Just stop and think, like, what's darkness right now? I mean, not even right now. You can look at your whole history of life, but just stop and think, what is dark right now? What is hurting right now? What is difficult right now? Where do you want light? Maybe it's personal choices you have made, personal sins you, you, you have committed. Maybe it's, it's other people. Maybe your heart just breaks every day for persecuted people around the world. Maybe you sit there and wake up in your warm apartment and just weep over the fact that people are just shivering down there right now. Maybe it's brokenness in your family. Maybe there is just unreconcilable things in your family that just weigh heavily on you. We all have stuff. We all have stuff out of our control. We all have darkness. And we need to shed the light. And so a way to think about this that I find helpful is where do we need Advent in our lives? Where do we need this hope? Where do we need this light? Where do we need this acceptance of the word in our lives? Because this king we worship, this king brings light. This king brings light not only to, to all of creation, to the world, but to your very life and your very darkness. And if we want to know Jesus, if we want to understand Advent, if we want to have this season change our lives and not just be another month of December, we need to understand this passage and what John is saying here, that Jesus is light. That it's not just him saying it, but there is testimony. There is plenty of people who can give account that Jesus is God. That Jesus did not just come for people like you or like me, but for everyone. And that this coming, this king brings light to us. We need to receive this truth. We need to believe this truth. And we need to know that this very truth, and this is why John starts his gospel this way, this very truth gives us a firm foundation to understand all these other truths about Jesus Christ. And this truth is Jesus. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so now what we're going to do, I want to invite our musicians up. And what we're going to do is we're going to play the music to a song that is very, very familiar to many of us. 
And I'm going to just introduce the word. The song, What a Beautiful Name. I'm just going to, in light of everything we've just talked about, I just want you to hear the words of this song and, and think about them in a new light. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord Most High, your hidden glory in creation is now revealed in you, our Christ. I'm not here, we'll get through this one. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. Church, let us remember this. This is not just a clever literary introduction to a book. This is an assertion of what we believe and the very truth that's our foundation in Christ. Let's pray. God, what's so great is not that you have just done this for us, but as we read in Isaiah, done this for them as well. We give you our burdens. We give you our faith. We give you our time. Shed a gracious light where darkness would lean and not our light. And we pray this all in your holy name. Amen. wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King.
glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name. name it is, the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So we have a chance now to come before the Lord in prayer. And let me invite you as I lead us, um, when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you all can respond aloud, hear our prayer, and we can pray together with one heart and voice. So let's join hearts and minds in prayer, shall we? Our gracious God and Father, it is a great privilege now to call upon your name. We are so humbled that before the foundations of the world, you had set apart your one and only son who was there with you at the beginning to come in the fullness of time and to be light in our dark world. We thank you for sharing your heart with us, your very self with us, for moving in to the neighborhood with us in Jesus Christ, for un bosoming yourself to us and for explaining and and illuminating yourself to us in the person of Jesus. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would take hold of him by faith, that you would shine the light into our hearts this Advent season, that the darkness in our own hearts and the darkness around us would not overcome it that the light of Jesus might shine brightly into the darkest places of our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we do ask that the light of Jesus would shine brightly into the brokenness of this world. Most obviously, we ask that Jesus would reign as the sovereign over our public health crisis. We pray that in his good timing and according to his good purposes, that he would bring an end to this pandemic. We pray that he would uh, blaze light upon those who are in the scientific community and in public policy to reign through them in such a way that the world would see this. We pray that you would shine the light of Jesus into conditions of civil war and civic unrest in so many places around the world. Into places where poverty seems to reign, we pray that the riches 
of your glorious grace would come and that you would mobilize Christian believers to bring the light of Jesus into communities of poverty where there is injustice and exploitation. We pray that King Jesus would come and bring justice and dignity would be restored. Shine, O Lord, your light in the Lord Jesus into the most broken places in our world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be pleased now, as always, to shine the light of the Lord Jesus into the life of our church. We are in many ways hampered by our restriction, our community feels like it's pulled apart in some ways, and yet we trust that by your goodness, you will continue to shine your light into our church community and strengthen us through this strange season. And so we pray that you would be with all that serve among us, from Sunday school teachers using technology to reach students, to our tech teams that work so hard to provide experiences for all of us here and at home, to our musicians who are constantly innovating and still, um, by your good grace, able to bear the lights and to, to hold Jesus up to us. And of course, lead pastors and elders need your guidance as well. So burn brightly in our lives, uh, those of us that lead, so that uh, our small groups and domestic groups and our evening worship service and our morning service and our whole church life would be full of the brightness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Heavenly Father, whether we find ourselves in nuclear families or we find ourselves single, we pray that you would take us and use us in the context of our friends and our family. For those of us that are married, uh, we ask that you would shine the light of the Lord Jesus, full of grace and truth, into these marriages. Would you lead us to repentance where there needs to be repentance? Restore tenderness where there needs to be the restoration of tenderness. And would you make the marriages in our congregation some small glimmer of a reflection of the light of your son's marriage to his wife, Jacob. For those who are single and have close networks of friends into whom they pour their lives and their imagination and their time and their prayer, we pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, surround them in such ways that they never feel alone or isolated. Give them courage to seek out new friendships and uh, and relationships even with married folks and single folks alike. For all those single folks among us that may be testifying to your light and your grace this holiday season, we ask that you would embolden them. Give them many opportunities to give a reason for the hope of their lives. So Lord, speak, we pray, into our families. And as many of us either travel or more likely gather through technology with family around the world, 
we pray that we would have some opportunity to pass it on to your life. Give us your light that we might share it among our families and friends. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And for each of us, O Lord, as individuals, as Sam has said, you have come for us in Christ. And you have so loved us that it is your desire to exalt Christ in our hearts and to bear his light in our lives. Help us not to put our lights under uh, a bushel, hide it under a bed, or some other foolishness like that, but to put it on the lampstand and to bear it so that all might be illumined by Christ. So give us courage and boldness uh, to carry our light, which is the light of Christ himself, and shine more brightly in our hearts and in our lives as we meditate on your word, as we take it into our spirit, and as we reflect it on our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend all these prayers to you, asking for you to be the same light that you were at your incarnation, the same light that you are on your throne, in our broken world, in our pulled apart church, in our families and friend networks, and in our own hearts. For we trust that it is your great honor, Heavenly Father, to shine through this more strongly and brightly than our own prayers. So we commend all these requests to you, trusting that you will hear our prayer and answer according to your good desires. And we now join together hearts, minds, and mouths to pray as Jesus, our Savior, has taught us. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. If you would like, I'd invite you to stand as we sing our last song, which encourages us to go into the world and to bear the light of Christ as we go among friends and family and everyone else. So let's stand and we'll join in Go Tell It Online.
call it a testimony to my maturity that I'm able to not sing that song out as loud as I want. <laughs> Lord's doing a work in all of us. Um, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, what a joy it is to worship with you, to be with you, to go through this life together. And while I certainly, well, actually, before I give a, a, a benediction, I always forget to do this and I get in trouble with people. Is there any new people here? I know we always have people sort of popping in and sometimes people are shy. Is there any uh, new people or people visiting who would like to just say their name if they're visiting? Yeah, awesome. Well, welcome. Merry Christmas. We're happy to have you here with us. Anyone else? I sometimes forget to do this and then people are like, oh, I've been here a few weeks and I've never said anything. Yeah, will you just say your name out loud and leave them? welcome. It's great to have you. Um, any others? Great. All right. Well, like I said, um, I can't tell you what to believe. I can't ask you to join me in believing in the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot, which, by the way, why not? It's fun. But you know what's more fun? Is standing on the truth that we believe our Jesus is God of the has always been and he will always be. That through him and with him we were not only made, but that we are loved. That we find redemption, that we find wholeness and in the darkness that we find light. And so to that end, brothers and sisters in Christ, take with you this benediction as you go and bring the light to the world. May God, the God of peace himself, sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who calls you, he is faithful, and he will do it. May the Lord bless you and keep you and go in peace.